welcome to another episode of Ordinary Old Catholic Me. Well, good afternoon on this lovely Saturday. Well, lovely here in Los Angeles. It's probably in the late 70s, supposedly going up to the 80s. And there's a bit of a breeze, so beautiful. I've been doing this podcast for a bit over a year now, year and a month, basically. And I've noticed that the way it seems I end up doing a particular subject is kind of like a crossword puzzle or a regular puzzle. It comes to me in pieces. I see something, I read something, I hear something. And then when I look up information about what I've read, I run into something else and that starts me thinking about how to expand or how to focus on what I want to talk about. And then voila, I have a podcast. So as the OCD detective Adrian Monk says, when he has figured out something, here's what happened. Here's what happened. I was reading an article, a very short article actually, in the tablet magazine which my friend Donald gave me a subscription for for a few months. It was written by the director of the Vatican Observatory, Guy Consul Magno SJ, and it's called Backwards Thinking. He was referring back to some experiments that had been done on what they call water-rich meteorites that American and Japanese space probes had collected from some asteroids. And he was referring to the fact that there had also been some data on lunar meteorites, the kind where the, I guess, the internal chemistry is similar or relates them to the rocks that were taken from the moon during the Apollo missions. Sounds like there is some need, according to this scientist, to compare and contrast all of these different meteorites, the lunar meteorites that they have found elsewhere and the ones they found on the moon, and make the kind of comparison that helps for mining and for safety issues should there be more missions to the moon. But his main point was how human beings do, scientists do, what is called the scientific method, and how, in fact, in this society, we do science opposite the way we were taught to do. The way he was taught, and the way I presume we were all taught, I don't remember, I took a couple of science courses, was that you, as he says, see a problem, devise a hypothesis, and then test it with an experiment. But he said what was actually done is that we do the experiments first, then the patterns that we see in the results cause us to create a hypothesis and then we look around to see what problem it would solve. Now, after this long preamble, let me tell you what piqued my interest. He said, and this is a quote, of course, it reminds me of my religious life. Non-believers seem to think that a life of faith starts with faith, but it's just the opposite. Every religious experience is at first an experience. Only after it happens do we try to figure out what happened and if it happened to anyone else. Then, if we are lucky, we'll find a theological category to file it under. 
So what did this trigger in me? It triggered the phrase, faith precedes understanding. Now look, in this half hour podcast, I'm not even going to scratch a scratch, a scratch on the surface of any of this. It's just stuff to think about. More than that, it's stuff we need to think about. I'm a little ashamed to say I knew nothing about the derivation of the phrase faith precedes understanding. So I went and looked and I found out that the concept, the phrase, is attributed to St. Anselm. In Latin, the phrase is fides quarens intellectum, which literally, as the author of a Corpus Christi Watershed article by Father David Friel of April 21st, 2013, says, means faith seeking understanding. And he said that this means that faith comes before understanding. And maybe I'm misinterpreting, but That seems to be the opposite of what the scientist of the Vatican Observatory is saying about religion as well as the scientific method when he says that a life of faith doesn't really start with faith. And then add to this my pedestrian thought, does the phrase faith-seeking understanding mean the same thing as faith precedes understanding. It's the word precedes that means it comes before. But to me, seek means something a little different, a little bit more nuanced. Precedes means in time, whereas seeks seems to require something more of us. It requires a movement in order to come to faith. Seek is to chase, to pursue, to dig for. If something just precedes understanding, it sounds as if it just sort of pops in. All of this makes me think a little bit of my father, who was a non-practicing Greek Orthodox most of his life, and how he became a Catholic. For the longest time, the way I saw it, he wouldn't settle on faith at all, or even defining what he thought faith was. And I don't think he's that different from many people, you know, people who go from one religion to the other. I'll try a little Hinduism, I'll try a little Buddhism, I'll try a little Mormonism, I'll try a little Protestantism tinged with Catholicism until I find something that settles me. It's as this priest said at the Vatican Observatory that we do the experiments first and decide then whether it solves the problem of faith or then we decide on trying to determine what the problem is of faith. Uh, I want to go back to that article again because Father Consul Magno said something about how we really do our science, which is, he says, instead, instead of seeing a problem, devising a hypothesis and testing it with experiment, what we do is we get some new tool, we bang it on whatever is handy, and look through the resulting pile of data until we see a pattern. Then we look for a problem that maybe the pattern can resolve. That's a quote. That's kind of how I see a little bit of what my father did. Uh, Not what I did. And what I did was actually kind of imposed on me in a sense in that I was set up to be a Catholic and I just started from, quote, faith, albeit maybe not very active faith, whereas my father, although he was given 
Greek Orthodoxy didn't stay there and didn't launch from there. Or he did, but a little imperfectly. So what he did is he did a lot of reading. There are books all over the place, fully marked up, posted about different concepts of mostly Christianity, although he was very fond of Judaism as well. And he never, at least until he was 85, settled on anything. He stayed in the land of maybe. I would say dad was an agnostic most of his life. The way I see it, he tried to do the understanding without having a foundation from which he was seeking the understanding. He was trying to take a dive without having a good springboard. I have a very specific memory before he became Catholic. Dad used to come to church with me from time to time, not just to social occasions, but also to the services, as I've said, mostly to hear me be the lector. I suppose one could argue that maybe that was the springboard, but that's for another time. He liked our pastor at the time very particularly, and our pastor, I thought, gave incredible homilies. Actually, we've always had pastors who gave incredible homilies, but this happens to have been Father Parnassus. I thought it was an absolutely amazing homily. As we were driving home, I said something along those lines to my father, who said in his usual wry way, I didn't think it was anything spectacular. And I said something I suppose you could call mildly sacrilegious. I said, Dad, if our Lord himself stood behind our pastor transfigured, you would still have said, it's nothing spectacular. It is sort of a human way. Remember, all those people who saw the miracles of Jesus Christ, some believed, many did not. And so it's true that even if Christ right now gave us the same kind of signs that he gave us when he was walking with the apostles, we could easily simply disbelieve. There came a point in my father's journey when he hit the age of 85, or close to 85, that one day he simply decided to reverse his approach. I don't think he considered it as a reversal. I don't know that he did it with the aim of doing something different to engender faith, but I've told this story before. One day I get a phone call and he's had dinner and he's had a couple of glasses of wine and he announces to me that he's going to become a Catholic and that Father Parnassus, he hopes, will be his instructor. Now remember, my father had a pretty good grasp already of what teaching was of Catholicism. Up to this point, he wanted total clarity as to what the nature of God and his ways, which of course is impossible. After all, Job was told, your ways are not my ways. So effectively, my father stopped doing what he had done his whole life and simply acted as if he had faith. So you could argue that two things happened. His, quote, faith preceded understanding, and his, call it an imperfect faith, also began to seek understanding. So maybe the two words aren't so different in that way. But either way, however he accomplished it, faith came first, meaning an acceptance of a premise or mm, an acceptance of the problem of faith. Obviously, 
everybody's journey is different. My journey. After having the foundation of faith and having some instruction in the faith toward understanding of the faith, at some point I left. At some point I saw a problem and I decided to experiment again with my traditional foundational religion. For me, being outside of my Catholicism didn't help me gain any kind of understanding. I had no, again, I had no springboard anymore. I had walked away from the springboard. You can't make a dive. I couldn't make a dive from just any old cliff. And I couldn't put on hold the issue in the first instance. I couldn't say, well, I don't care about these things. I couldn't leave my caring about these things. I couldn't live a life of making my own meaning, which was no better nor worse than anybody else's way of making meaning. And you might argue that faith was still always present, just sort of in an underground location for about 13 years. And I had ceased trying to understand with the grace of God. And what happened when I did come back? I started to do the kind of reading I had never done as a young person. I started looking at the Church Fathers. I started looking at the other famous theological philosophers like Augustine and Aquinas, albeit I've never delved into them in any truly intellectual way. I'm kind of like a bee hitting a flower and then off to the next interest. But it's all within the faith, within the teachings of the faith that I'm seeking to understand. I think what happened to both my father and I in different ways was we both at one point sought understanding without having the precursor, faith. If there is going to be a true Catholicism, I couldn't separate my understanding from the soil of faith and expect any kind of connection to the God of the universe. I bet you were wondering when I was going to get into what's happening in the world around us, in the Catholic world around us. I recently saw a comment from someone on Facebook, more than probably one person, that suggested that traditional Catholics who are objecting to the receipt of communion by Catholic politicians who promote abortion are not following the Pope, who in fact allies with Joe Biden, according to these articles. In the article by David Friel that I mentioned in Corpus Christi Watershed, he gives a warning, which I'm not sure he had any thought of in terms of what's happening now as he wrote this article seven or eight years ago, but he raises something which I think is quite key in terms of what's happening around us. And the quote is, we have to be careful though. It's not good enough to say I have faith, so I don't really need to understand. And he adds, not at all. Remember, the motto is faith seeking understanding. So yes, we begin with the virtue of faith, which is paramount, but we must absolutely seek deeper understanding. So all my wonderful Catholic friends who say, I have faith. Look, I serve the poor. I 
listen to that lovely Pope because I like what he says about charity and how he tells us not to be too focused on rigid things. And in their minds, something like abortion suddenly becomes an issue of rigid thinking if someone says, you can't kill your children in the womb. And by the way, I'm going to bet that there isn't a pope out there who's ever going to say that the church's teaching on abortion is rigid. In the same issue of the tablet, which I think was June 3rd, there was another article on someone I never heard of called Christopher Dawson. He was an English uh, thinker, intellectual, Catholic intellectual, born in England, but ended up at Harvard University as the chair of Roman Catholic Studies. Can you believe Harvard had a chair of Roman Catholic Studies? I wonder if they still have that. The article is by Sebastian Milbank. I hope the author will forgive me for perhaps brutalizing his very, very careful, beautiful article. But as I understand it, what Dawson tried to say back at a time when communism and fascism was overtaking the world and almost completely overwhelmed us is that you can't detach our liberal democracies from the ultimate aspect of faith the contemplation this is a quote the contemplation of eternal truth the worship of god and the political realization of a just distribution and mutual flourishing Otherwise, liberty itself could mutate into a rationalistic and technocratic pursuit of control for its own sake. So let's see if I can articulate what's in my head, rattling around my head. That we're living in a society, but in particular for this discussion, a Catholic society that has or claims faith but actually refuses to take the extra step toward understanding or engages in a selective understanding. So a Catholic politician can brazenly announce all the things that he believes in that are completely antithetical to Catholic teaching and then say, I dare you not to give me communion. And it's not just a Catholic politician who does that, it's many Catholics. It's probably half or more of the Catholics currently in the modern world. I guess you could say there's a very comfortable faith. They believe in a very loving God, and of course he is, but God who provides no expectations of his creatures. In fact, all expectations come from the creature to God. And while using the words of human dignity on one hand, real human dignity is eviscerated on the other. The current version of faith isn't seeking true understanding. It seems to be seeking validation. And the faith itself seems to be separated from the actual objective understanding to something completely subjective and varying from nation to nation, person to person, soul to soul. And as Dawson apparently thought, completely dependent on who's got power and control. So I guess the way I see things right now is that both faith and understanding are being corrupted within and without the Catholic Church. It does feel as if some kind of supernatural winnowing is going on. It's as if 
God is saying to us, you have a choice between true faith in me and true understanding that derives from that faith or the faith that you create and the understanding that you develop around that faith you have created. Before anyone says, and I understand if they would say it, do you think you're so good that you're going to fall on the right side? Well, no, I don't. That's one of the things I worry about. And as I've gotten older, I worry about it more. I don't know what side I'll fall on. I only know that I need to pray, act as if I have true faith in God and that I seek the understanding that he intends for me and try to hope that the grace that he's providing, I will accept. I've been reading about a purported apparition or series of apparitions in a place called Garandabal in Spain that a friend alerted me to. And I don't know how I feel about that in light of any prior apparitions, which of course none of us are required to believe as Catholics. But one of the seers, her name is Conchita, and she actually happens to live in the United States in New York at the age of 71. At some point she was concerned or expressed concern that one of the predictions of Our Lady to her was that she would deny her. Everything about this young woman would indicate that she wouldn't deny God or Our Lady or deny anybody or deny any asset of the faith. But that's just the point. In the winnowing process, who knows who will do what? And we can only pray that we will stay on God's side. And you might say, well, how do you know what God's side is? Well, I've chosen what I consider the true faith, the historicity, the traditionality, the magisterium, the writings of the Catholic Church, and I believe they are true. And I'm holding on to all of that as if I'm holding on to a raft in the ocean and praying that I don't become so discouraged by everything around me that I'll take the path that feels the easiest, which is simply to withdraw. When you say faith precedes or faith seeks understanding, I don't think it means perfect faith precedes or seeks because I'm a human being. It's imperfect. But it is required that I seek the truth, not my truth. And how do I know what the truth is? I think here's a rule of thumb for me. If it feels easy, it's probably not the truth. It's probably just my truth. I can tell you what these considerations are causing me to focus on, and they are the four last things, death, judgment, heaven, and hell. I would prefer not to have to think about these things. What is the price if faith, the faith in Jesus Christ, in the Trinity, fails to seek understanding? I'm just as capable as the next person of kissing Jesus on the cheek and then betraying him. Maybe, and this scares me even more so. And so ends another episode of Ordinary Old Catholic Me that raised questions and probably didn't answer them. But I hope that it causes you, as it does cause me, to look into these things even more deeply and to just hang on to our Lord's coattails. See you next week.